This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Netta Going. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would, tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? I can remember when I was growing up, I actually really wanted to be a teacher. So oh, okay. I was yeah, I was really into it. I would develop lesson plans, and I would teach my stuffed animals. And um, I just loved the idea of being a teacher. And I would take whatever I was learning in class and school and turn that into lesson plans to teach at home. So that was always (laughs) what I wanted to do. That is really awesome. I've never heard someone so detailed as a child. So was there anything in particular that you remember teaching? Or did you have one stuffed animal that didn't do really well and you had to (laughs) tutor them? (laughs) Yeah, I had to discipline some of the stuffed animals sometimes. You know, it was really any subject. I really enjoyed, you know, the English subjects back then and I would I would have even these transparencies that I would use and and I was just really into it totally wow. now you mentioned English but what were some of your favorite subjects or hobbies in school outside of English so you know as I got older I started to really get into math and science and especially you know especially in high school I got really into biology and I definitely developed a, a sense that I really enjoyed anything related to health, nutrition, that kind of thing. And I definitely remember one of the most memorable experiences I had was in high school, and I took an anatomy class. So we did some interesting things in that class. It might sound a little bit gross, but we dissected a cat. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I just found that so fascinating. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It didn't gross me out at all. I just thought it was super cool. And the other very memorable experience I had in that class was a field trip that we took. So I was um, growing up in Houston, Texas, and they have a huge medical center there. It's one of the biggest in the world, if not the biggest. And we went to one of the medical schools there, which is Baylor College of Medicine. And they took us all throughout the medical school, which was beautiful, huge. We got to meet some of the medical students and staff. And they also took us to their anatomy lab. And I got to see some of the coolest stuff. I mean, I know it sounds gross, but we got to see, you know, organs in, in tubes, as you would imagine, or in jars, and we got to see slices of human brain, and we got wow. to watch surgery, and it was just the coolest experience. And I think that was the first time I ever kind of had the idea that, wow, this is a pretty cool field. Wow, that's amazing. I remember dissecting an earthworm and I believe a frog, <laughs> and that's when I yeah. realized... <laughs> the medical field was not for me. I didn't have to get to the cat. The frog was enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it surprised me. I didn't expect to, to find it that interesting, but I did. Wow, that's really great. Well, what was your first real job? You know, I had some little jobs here and there in high school, mostly, you know, in retail at the mall. And, and that was all I really did as a job until um, after college. Okay, well, that's a great lead-in. So if you would, tell us, what do you do today? So today, I'm a neonatologist. What does that mean exactly? It's basically a doctor for newborn babies. So I take care of babies that are sick after birth. So, you know, I, I work in a neonatal ICU, so it's an ICU for newborn babies. You know, babies that have a, an array of problems, 
from prematurity to genetic problems to infections, basically anything that can make a baby sick after they're born. Now, if you would, kind of take us from college, you know, what did you major in, what did you graduate with, and then through the different roles and responsibilities you had up until today? I took a bit of an unusual path because I didn't know I was going to get here. (laughs) I actually did chemical engineering in college, and that was because... I come from a family of engineers. I was a math and science person, and I liked it. And chemical engineering kind of fit in with what I liked in terms of the subjects that I liked. I got into chemical engineering. I was going through it. And, you know, I was going through the motions, but I definitely didn't feel like this was really what I wanted to do. You right. know, it fit. I could do it. I liked math. It was fine. But, I, you know, I wasn't passionate about it by any means. And the way that I ended up deciding to go into medicine is actually a good story. So um, I was taking a course, one of the required courses for chemical engineers called Transport Phenomenon, very interesting stuff. (laughs) And my professor, who was a very memorable guy, he was really one of the best professors I've ever had, he met with each student after our first exam and just kind of wanted to touch base and see how each of us was doing. He asked me what I wanted to do after I'm done with college, and I told him, I guess I'll be a chemical engineer. I don't really know what I'm going to be doing exactly, but, you know, I'll be an engineer. And he asked me, but what do you want to do? And I told him, you know, I've always had kind of an interest in medicine, but it's such a long road. You have to go to medical school, and then you have to do more years of training after that. And he said, what's wrong with that? And he told me his story where he had multiple degrees and he loved learning and he loved being in school. And that's just worked for him. You know, it's worked for him. And he's a professor now and he still loves being in a learning environment. And that's just what works for him. And it kind of blew my mind at that point, because I kind of thought, you know, you're supposed to go to college and get a job and start your life. And the idea of medical school and the long path, you know, it kind of had gone through my mind just in passing and I never really took it that seriously but after we had that discussion it was just like a light bulb in my head and he suggested you know if you're really thinking about medicine and you really think that's what you want to do why don't you volunteer at a hospital and see if you like that environment I felt like that was just what I needed to hear so I just remember leaving that conversation with that professor and I think it was that day or maybe the next day I started looking up hospitals where I could volunteer and I started doing that and I ended up really liking it. And from there, I decided to take pre-med classes, which I did. So I just, you know, took some classes over the summer one year. Thankfully, with chemical engineering and medicine, a lot of the pre-med courses overlapped in terms of chemistry and those kind of things. So I didn't really have to add that much to it, but I did it. So that's kind of what took me into the medical school path. That's kind of the long-winded answer to that question. No, that's great. Did you tell him about the cat? <laughs> you know, I probably <laughs> did. It must have come up somewhere in the conversation. Right, right. Well, it's very interesting that he recommended the path of like an internship because that's where I'm finding a lot of folks really kick the tires on a career. They go to someplace right. that might interest them, whether it's a job yeah. or a company or an industry. They do an internship. They either like it, love it, or maybe they like something else. Maybe not that particular job, but they find exactly. out that they like other stuff. Yeah, that's great. Sometimes you kind of have to immerse yourself in it to see if you feel comfortable. Now, how long did it take you to get your degree and then did you do a residency? Yes. So uh, the medical school degree took four years. Uh, After that, then you go into residency depending on what field you choose. So for to become a neonatologist, I had to do a three-year pediatric residency first and then I had to do an additional three years of neonatology fellowship. 
So it was all in all a long road. So 10 years wow. of medical residency and fellowship. Wow, that's amazing. Well, if you would, could you kind of walk us through your typical day or your typical week? Yeah, absolutely. So a typical day in my job, um, you know, you go in the morning. I usually examine the babies, find out if anything in particular uh, that was eventful happened the night before. Once I finish examining the patients and finding out about any overnight issues, then we usually have a time in the morning where we do rounds. So that includes me as the neonatologist, as well as the nursing staff who are taking care of the babies, any residents or fellows who are included in the team. Sometimes we have additional staff like social workers, dietitians, pharmacists, and we all sit down together or walk around to each bedside of each patient and discuss that patient. And we just talk about issues that are ongoing, making plans for the day, and ultimately plans for when the baby can go home. And once rounds are done, then we you know, execute our plans. So we have to do orders or follow up with the families, talk to the patients, uh, parents, and then whatever else comes up during the day. So we may have deliveries to attend to because as a neonatologist, I would attend any delivery in which the baby is expected to be sick for any reason. If it's a high-risk delivery, we would admit babies, you know, that are coming in from the ER. So there's plenty to do. So it's usually quite quite a busy schedule. Now, how do you deal with the difficulty of just dealing with babies that are sick and having issues such as you see on a daily basis and dealing with the parents of these children? Those are the very challenging aspects of my job. So, you know, we do see a lot of difficult things in this job. You see it's a life and death situation sometimes. And it's hard to deal with. Sometimes because it's so busy, you get so wrapped up in it that you don't have a chance really to really feel what's going on. Mm-hmm. You have to cope with it later on and when you have time to really sit and think about it. I would say the good times tend to outweigh the bad and that helps. You know, if you're dealing with a lot of bad experiences all the time on a day-to-day basis, then that becomes very difficult. But I would say for the most part, you're dealing with happy situations as opposed to the sad ones. Mm-hmm. And those happy situations are so good and so fulfilling fulfilling that it kind of compensates for when you have to deal with something very hard. Right. Right. Now, how did you decide to go into this particular field? So actually, it was also a bit of coincidence. You know, when I went to medical school, I had it in my mind that I wanted to do pediatrics because I love kids and it just suited my personality, I think. So uh, when I was rotating through in medical school, pediatrics was really my favorite field. So I did the pediatric residency and during residency, I kind of was expecting the outcome of that to be that I would work in a pediatric clinic, you know, as, a, as you would expect a, a general pediatrician to do. But when I was rotating through my pediatric clinics, it wasn't, it didn't really fit exactly with what I wanted out of it. You know, it's, it's a bit hectic. It's a lot of repetition. Um, you're basically screening and seeing a lot of healthy kids and making sure you don't miss things that, you know, something that could right. be detrimental to the child, which I found stressful. And then I just happened to do uh, an elective rotation in neonatology in the NICU. And I was at UT Southwestern in Dallas for medical school. And I actually did a rotation at Baylor back to the same place where I where I uh, visited when I was in high school. I did a rotation there in the neonatology department in the NICU. 
And it was my first experience dealing with newborn babies. It's not really a required rotation much in residency, so I was, it was kind of an extra thing. And I actually really loved it. It was kind of, I felt my engineering background and my love for medicine were coming together. Because in neonatology, you deal with ventilators, you have to manage pressure and volume and all these things that I'd studied in engineering actually being applied to patients. So I felt like it really fit in nicely with what I like to do. There's a lot of math. There's a lot of calculation that you have to do. Wow. Because we calculate all the nutritional elements we have to give to the babies, all the calories, everything. So, so it really just fit in well. I liked that it was fast-paced. I liked that we went to deliveries. I liked that we do procedures. And I liked that I didn't have to worry about missing anything because the babies are already coming to us with problems and we need to fix them. So right. <laughs> I felt right. that was more, more in line with what I like to do as opposed to worrying that I'm going to miss something in a healthy baby. Wow, that's really fascinating because as I hear more and more career journeys, it's that exploration of interests that you're not 100% sure on. And it sounds like you just happened to land on the right one, you know, that kind of brought yeah. together your different passions and interests you had. So that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay, cool. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster. So we just learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a teacher and what you actually do today. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Well, one point I just want to make is that the interesting thing about what I do is that I still do get to do some teaching. So as an neonatologist, we still get to teach those coming through the same journey wow. as trainees. So, you know, in the end, it actually worked out in that way as well. And what I would tell myself, you know, what I would do differently is just to continue to live life while going through this journey <laughs> because medical school and the whole path, it's so long and it takes up all your 20s. Um, and it's important to maintain the rest of your life outside of it. So, you know, I ended up kind of giving up all my hobbies except for one, which is, was running. So once I finally got through all the training and was done, I kind of had to rem remind myself, what did I like to do again before I started this journey? <laughs> right. <laughs> and develop my hobbies all over again. So it's important, you know, to maintain those things that also give you fun and fulfillment outside of work. Wow. Okay. Well, that's cool. Well, now let's make the assumption someone in our audience wants to do what you do to be a neonatologist. What advice would you give them? Is there a typical career path? It sounds like there is. Yeah, there is. So, you know, you have to do college to get into medical school. So, you know, usually something that's in the sciences is a great uh, field to go into as a degree in college. Um, and then you got to go to medical school for four years. And then you can choose what type of residency you, you want to do. You know, depending on the field, the residencies can be from three to, I think, five or six years. Some of the surgical residencies are longer. Um, so that's the typical path. And then to become specialized in any field, then you would need to do a fellowship. So that's an additional training on top of residency. Right, right. Wow, that's really cool. That's a lot of school. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, let's talk to the student who is currently enrolled and would like to do something like this. What advice would you give them? You know, Would you advise that they find an internship? Would you advise that they explore some different courses? What kind of advice would you give them? Absolutely. I would definitely advise doing something in a hospital. So volunteering, kind of getting any experience to know if you feel comfortable in that environment. It takes a lot to 
you know, be able to interact with people and interact with patients and, um, you know, just knowing that you're comfortable in that environment is important. Asking around, asking people who work in the hospital there, asking what it's like getting their experience, I think those are really helpful. And then exploring the typical subjects that you would need to learn, you know. Anatomy was the perfect example. I think that was a really helpful way for me to see that that's something I'm interested in. Right. Yeah, that worked out very well. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And I'm a huge car enthusiast, and we don't know each other, but could you tell me what was your first car? So the first car that I could really claim as mine was a Ford Mustang. That's a really sweet car. That was also my first car. What year was yours? It was a 99, 1999. Mine was a little older. Mine was a 68. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must have been a cool one. Yeah, yeah. So, well, what's your dream car if you have one and you don't have to have one? I don't honestly have one, to be totally honest with you. Well, that's okay, because I'm going to pick one out for you. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a cool company car based on your job. It's amazing what articles have been written in the past. So I just Googled the best classic car for someone with kids, because I figure, well, you're dealing with kids all the time, you know? So what I ended up with is a very innovative car, very rare car, very cool car called the 1948 Tucker. Are you familiar with this car at all? No, I'm not. So you can actually Google it or Amazon. They uh, made a movie about it. So this car was built in 1948, as I mentioned before. They only made 51 of them before they went out of business. But what's cool about this car is they're really kind of cool looking. I'll send you a picture with all the information. Okay. I wanted a four-door car, you know, because you figure, you know, you deal with a lot of kids, young infants. And it was built with a crash zone. Now, this is 1940s logic here. So it was built with a crash zone instead of a glove compartment box. So if you're about to get into an accident, you could curl up into this little crash zone and supposedly be safe. Wow. So, yeah, and it, had, it was one of the first cars with seatbelts. And seatbelts were so new back then that they did not want it advertised that they had seatbelts because they didn't want it to be seen like they it was an unsafe car which is kind of funny when you think about it wow. and it had had a helicopter engine in the back so there would be no exhaust fumes and it also had suicide doors where you open them up you know where your your hands would almost touch you open them up like french doors easy access and then it also has a third headlight in the front that would turn with the steering wheel so you could see easily around the corner so really cool car extremely safe for the period and like i said there were only 51 of them made so they're pretty rare so I will send that to you, and that's the cool car I would pick for you. That is a very cool car. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah I think you got one of the coolest ones so far. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey. What's the best way our listeners can learn about more about you or your company? Um, so you can go online and look at ConnecticutChildrens.com. Um, there you can find more information about me, about my specialty, as well as many other pediatric specialties. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.